Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News, where today I'm going to take you back 245 years to 1776. You're like, where's Solomon going with this? What's going on here? Has he lost his crackers? What's up? The 1776 Commission is what up. Uh, it is an interesting development the last few weeks that we've been covering at Just the News. And uh, if you didn't have a chance to catch up to it because you were celebrating Memorial Day or busy with the kids or at work was overwhelming. I want to today take you to an extraordinary thing that doesn't happen very often in Washington. So uh, let's walk you through it just quickly. And then in a few minutes, we're going to have the executive director of the 1776 Commission, Matt Spaulding, on the show. You're going to love this interview. But first, let me let me let me take you through the history so everybody remembers where we were. The final year of the Trump administration, uh, as the uh, critical race theory and the uh, equity education theories and these new curriculum were coming in that some people thought were anti-American, the 1619 Project, for instance, these arguments that America was inherently racist and that uh, it, the only way to overcome it was to acknowledge it. Uh, these are some of those CRT, 1619 Project sort of philosophies. A lot of parents don't want this taught to their children. They don't agree with it. Many historians think that some of the factual underpinnings of the 69 Project are erroneous. And so there's, this is not a widely accepted or, or completely accepted uh, approach to education. So the Trump administration said, listen, this feels anti-American to us. We're going to empower a commission to come back in a very short period of time and create a pro-American new education curriculum, something to be the alternative to, the counter to 1619 critical race theory, equity education, whatever you want to call it. And so the commission did so. And just before President Trump left office in January of this year, the commission got its finding, its recommendations, its patriotic education platform all out there. And uh, it was quite a success because things usually don't happen that fast in Washington. We're slow and plotting and excuse making and we overspend budgets. That's why you got all these deficits. You know that here in Washington. But this commission did its work expeditiously and it got its product out before President Trump left office and things were going uh, well until the day Joe Biden got in on January 20th. One of the first things he did was to put the 1776 commission out of business, basically erase it from history, or at least attempt to do so. Now, 
most bodies in Washington, that would be the end of the story, but not for Matt Spaulding and the members of the commission. The 1776 commission has a little bit of that rebel spirit that, uh, well, our founding fathers and the patriots that fought in the Revolutionary War and George Washington, Tom Jefferson, you know them all. Um, they weren't going to take that as the last word. And so over the last few weeks, the 1776 commission and its members said, guess what? We have chosen to live on. We will not be canceled by the Democratic administration. Sure, we won't be a federal entity anymore, but we will be a voice, an entity, a product, and we are going to focus our attentions in getting the curriculum and the ideas and the patriotic education, the antidote, if we can call it that, that may be a strong word, but uh, the alternative to uh, the CRT 1619 uh, equity education curriculum we're going to work with states and local school boards and local teachers and parents to take our know-how, our knowledge, our work, our, our work product and get it down to American citizens who can use it. We will not go out of business. I'm telling you, this is rare. Most federal agencies, they just go out. They see, they sunset, they're done. Not these guys. So in a few minutes, we are going to uh, bring uh, Matt Spaulding on. He's going to talk to you. He was executive director of the commission, the guy that drove the trains day to day. Uh, he, he is also a dean with the great folks at Hillsdale College in Michigan, uh, helps run their Washington program. And he's going to explain how did this come to pass, first of all, what happened and how did they fight their cancellation, their cancel culture moment. They did. And then more importantly, what are they going to do to have an impact in this education debate now that they don't have their federal charter anymore? And I think you want to hear all of this. It's a really interesting debate. I believe this school debate is going to be one of the defining debates and issues in the 2022 election. It's a part of a bigger argument, which is should government be able to dictate everything, including what our children learn when we wear masks, who we get to see, when we get to worship, where we get to worship, how we get to worship, six feet apart, close together, sing, don't sing, wear a mask, don't mask. You've been through all these, right? This is the question between a super big, powerful federal government and a smaller government that acknowledges state rights, local rights, and most importantly, human liberty, human rights. Well, uh, that is what this is about. This is a much uh, snaps into a much larger debate. I believe it is that debate upon which the 2022 election most likely will turn. Why? Because a lot of the polling data is showing these issues are percolating up to being the issues that the electorate are worried about. Too big a government, too big a cost, too big an intrusion in our lives. So uh, this education thing is emblematic and maybe one of the most personal parts of the debate over big government, small government, states' rights over federalization. Because parents take seriously what their kids are told, how they're told to think. And it becomes very personal when the state, the government, tries to indoctrinate children or shape their religious or values, mores, in ways that go beyond traditional education. And I think that that's why this is personal, why it's probably at the heart of this larger big government, small government debate. And Matt Spaulding is going to walk us through all of that, including how you can get information to get involved in this, how you can get the curriculum to your school board or to your teachers or to your principal or to your executive director of schools or whoever you're looking to get it to. Uh, this is a, an opportunity for engagement learning. Uh, we're going to have it in just a few seconds, and I'm really um, hopeful that you will 
enjoy this interview. Let's go to a quick commercial break here from our great sponsors and advertisers. We love them all. We're so grateful that they make this show and just the news journalism possible. And uh, we want you to hear from them right now. We'll be right back. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Yes, you got to get back into work. It's time. The holiday's over, and we've got just the guy to get you thinking, get those gears turning. We're glad to welcome him back to the show. Matthew Spaulding is the vice president and dean of Hillsdale College here in D.C., but more importantly, he also uh, was the executive director of the 1776 Commission, which took on the woke school agenda, critical race theory, all those things, and tried to create a uh, pro-American agenda, an alternative. And Joe Biden canceled the commission. But guess what? He didn't get them to go away. They are still fighting, even though the federal government has shut them down. And we're so lucky to have Matt Spaulding here. Matt, welcome back to the show. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's an honor. And it's fun. This was a fun story last week. We had it on Just the News. And, you know, uh, we Joe Biden thought, well, I made those guys go away. I got rid of them. Well, guess what? The 1776 Commission lives on like the great country of America. Tell us what the commission did, why it stood firm, why it's continuing to exist and operate, and what it's go- where it's going next. Well, I'll start by noting the statement made by the chairman, the vice chairman myself, literally moments before it was abolished uh, <laughs> by executive order, by the, you know, within moments of the new president coming into office. Right. Uh, which is you can abolish a commission, you can take a report off the website, but you can't erase history. Uh, and so true. The, so true. The, the bottom line here is that uh, the official commission, uh, which was created by one president to advise the president, which issued a report to advise the president, whoever that might be. Right. Uh, which is supposed to be around for two years to get ready for celebrating the uh, anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. Um, abolishing that as a as a tactical matter through regulation uh, and ex- uh, through executive order is one thing, but uh, the the what the 1776 report and uh, the cause of its uh, abolition or its abolishment, uh, which was an executive order to to instigate the federal government's turn into equity outcomes. Right. These things are intimately connected. Uh, really kind of hit a nerve, tapped into something, which is a deep underlying debate about the nature of America and what it means and how should we look at it? How should we look at its history? How should we look at it today? How should we look at its principles as, a, as they're applied to current questions? Uh, and you can't get rid of that. And it, this is not merely a, a political, <laughs> right. a narrow political question that one one president or a legislature could come in and and merely reverse like uh, like a regulation. 
this is a debate that goes to the heart of, of, of our country. It's been on going on since the beginning, and it's, and it's the essential debate and, and discussion that citizens, by right, uh, should have and are going to have regardless of what the government does. It's pretty darn remarkable that uh, from the moment that uh, this happened, this uh, the, the abolishment actually was a rallying cry moment because more people are talking about it than ever before. More states are taking action than ever before. And uh, this a- a- a issue, which was elevated in the Trump administration by the mere creation of the commission, it's now an all-out public debate. And I think that's good for America because you've got two sides, right? You've got the teachers' unions and the and the progressive side of the Democratic Party trying to teach that uh, we want an agenda that says America's bad and that, that its founding was always racist and that we're all generally racist and we got to accept that. And then there's another part of the country, which probably is much larger in size, that says, no, no, America's still a great country. We've had a few flaws here and there, but we ought to teach history honestly. Um, what has happened in the states? I think Florida, Texas, a lot of these states are stepping to the plate saying, no matter what the federal government does, not in our state. How did that happen? Well, I mean, I, I think that um, just to, on this particular point about why they abolished the commission, they had to abolish the commission. And it's important for, for everyone to understand that. Um, it, it, we don't have two different conversations going on here, as 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 in one is about 1776 right. uh, history, and the other one is about you know identity politics, critical race theory, and these other ideas. Right. The the fact of the matter is that the the uh, this dominant progressive view about systemic racism and critical race theory, identity politics, equity, uh, whatever term they're using, cause they keep changing their terms. That must. That's not merely an opinion. That that must reject the other way of doing things. Yeah. Uh, the, the, these things can't can't coexist. Such an important point, uh, isn't it? Yeah. E- it's one or the other. Either 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 uh, all men are created equal, which is the claim of the of seventeen seventy six, which is also, by the way, uh, the claim defended by Lincoln in freeing the slaves and Martin Luther King. Uh, in in the civil rights movement, right? Either that's true or it's not, or it's not. Simple as that. And if it's not, then it's merely a, a matter of will and who's the strongest and uh, you who has the, the most activists and who can control legislatures and force things into the classroom. That's the starkness of the debate. Wow. Now, given that, I think it's extremely important what uh, what these states are doing. One of the things the report pointed out and after our meeting on Monday, we issued a statement really emphasizing this. The federal government has no role in curriculum, zero, no constitutional power, no authority. They can't do it by using money to get around uh, um, uh, that fact, which is what this executive order or this uh, regulation, Department of Education regulation, is trying to do on critical race theory. Can't do it. Uh, it's the authority of the state and the state legislatures, especially that control curriculum. And then beyond that, it really is a matter of school boards, schools, and parents. Uh, the, our, our, our statement talked about the fundamental right of parents to control the education of their children. Um, so we encourage governors and, and state legislatures to be on top of this. Uh, don't go down this other path, which is to reject. Uh, 1776 in favor of the current fad, which is actually to teach racism in classrooms, 
uh, but they should revisit and do make sure their curriculums are in good shape, reform them. Um, and if this is not a moment, you know, this is not merely another educate moment when the sleepy uh, issue of education is something we're all concerned about. This is actually a crucial societal debate. Uh, is that important or is it not? Uh, if it is important, then you should be looking at your curriculum. You should be uh, making sure your Department of Education teach, uh, uphold that curriculum in the in the classrooms. Uh, parents should be running for school boards, uh, and schools and school boards should be on top of this uh, and, and not be caught, caught asleep. So I think all these things going on are absolutely fabulous, and we heartily, heartily uh, endorse them and commend them. The more, the merrier. Uh, have states compete to see who's got the best one, uh, but but there's a there's a revival going on. It's uh, true, there is. This stuff is this this stuff's been brewing in the academy for decades, but I think it's it's kind of radicalized and it's jumping on the moment, um, and it kind of caught everyone off guard initially. But now that it's kind of the curtain's been pulled back and we and we see what's going on, I think there will be a robust defense of uh, the principles of 1776, because they're the principles of Martin Luther King and Lincoln and the founding and, and essentially uh, the, uh, the, the, the long traditions of the West that came to the conclusion that all men are created equal regardless of the color of their skin. If you want to deny that, um, which these other, this other uh, the progressives want to do, and look at people based on the color of their skin, uh, they can go there, but that's a clear and absolute violation of, of the very, very principles of, of this nation and uh, the, the, the idea that all men are created equal. It, uh, you use the word revival in such a good term because people are really energized about this. I, I've met with parents who are like, I had no idea what my kid was learning in school. Holy moly, I'm, I'm on this like a, a butter on bread. And it, right. it's activated a debate that's personal and it's energizing. You see, you know, the state of Florida, state of Texas, many local governments are beginning to take action. The, since the last time you and I talked, there has been, it was a remarkable speech. I think it was about a week ago. I was lucky enough to cover it myself, got the audio. But former Attorney General Bill Barr gave a speech in accepting a religious freedom award. And he made this pretty remarkable argument. And I, I want to just get your take on it because you're, you're such a good scholar. And there, there's two points to it. The first is, what they're teaching our kids in school essentially makes secularism a religion. They're basically trying to indoctrinate our children. Don't believe God. Don't believe the things you believe. This uh, secularized uh, uh, storyline about America and what you should be as a person. And he argued that that, therefore, if it is a religion, it uh, violates the Establishment Clause of the Constitution, which says government won't uh, uh, impose any particular religion. Do you think that there is a legal case brewing that 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 idea that Bill Barr and now some other legal scholars are talking about that some of this beyond what's happening at the school board, the state level, the Congress, uh, that some of this may end up in the courts? Well, first of all, that that was a remarkable uh, address. I've actually I've, I've read it. It's 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 quite quite excellent. Uh, I think there are there are kind of different levels we can look at. One is the, the broader kind of political philosophical point he's making, I think he's absolutely correct about, which is that uh, secularism has really become uh, a, 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 really a, a religion of itself. Um, that raises problems, you know, just on its face. Sure. I, I think there uh, will be cases 
because if you uh, if if you look at uh, secularism in a ideological way, you will end up uh, inevitably end up violating religious liberty of um, of religious believers, which of course is a fundamental protection in the, of the first freedom under our Bill of Rights. Uh, so I see that those will happen. They're already happening, and those will happen more. Uh, and that I could see how that could lead to a, you know, how it comes up in what context is maybe harder to see. But, you know, at some point, right, you're going to see a, um, uh, a a legal confrontation between uh, religion as traditionally understood, let's say a, a Christian school or a um, a student, uh, a Christian student or a Jewish student or a Muslim student um, who wants to live out their faith in the context of their schooling uh, through habit, through dress, through, you know, uh, activities, whatever it might be, or, uh, or refusing to do something or being taught something uh, that violates their religious faith. Um, at some point, that comes up against this other claim, which, if it's increasingly sought, looked at as the equivalent of a state religion, uh, I'd, that could go a million different directions. It so that sure is could. something I think that yeah. that is 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 quite disturbing. But I, I, the main thing I, I worry about uh, is that students in public schools, uh, which are being ta- they're being sent to those schools by parents who want their kids to get a good education, a good and fair education, uh, math, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, um, uh, don't quite realize that their, their students are actually being taught a religion, yeah. uh, despite what religion they may have, uh, which they practice at home. Uh, that's a real problem. It is a remarkable debate, but I will say this. There, uh, every day I'm meeting parents who have awakened to this reality, and they are activated. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say right outside here in D.C. at Loudoun County, just a little ways away from Washington, D.C., there's the ground zero debate going on in that school district. But school district by school district, African-American, Latino, white, Asian parents all are talking and really were caught off guard by the the intrusion or insertion of this new doctrine, this new um, uh, curriculum. Uh, and it's, it's fascinating to see the reaction and how quickly, particularly after the work that you all did, that this has taken fire across the country. I want to go back as uh, this past week, President Biden introduced his first real budget as president, and it imagined government in every aspect of our lives. It is a big, it is the anti-Ronald Reagan budget. It imagines a government as big and intrusive um, as anything you could imagine. And I think when we look out, you've got this school curriculum question that is is percolating. But the uh, one step up from this is not only does the school system or the federal government have a right to do this, but can they dictate how we vote? Because the founding fathers said the states were supposed to send the manner in which we vote. Can they dictate how we live, how we worship? Uh, when we wear a mask, when we don't wear a mask. This debate about big government seems to be the next level debate up. And we haven't had one, a debate on it, at least as robust as I think we're going to have since the time Ronald Reagan said government isn't the solution, it's the problem. We really haven't had a debate like this in a long time. Do you think America is going to opt for a bigger, more intrusive government or time to tighten the belt and cut this government and get them out of our lives? 
Uh, well, <laughs> there's there's a lot in there. Um, uh, but first, let me let me make uh, this this observation, which is that uh, on the one hand, it seems we just segue to a different topic, but these are actually the same topic. It is the same they're, topic. They're yeah. Very intimately connected, and yeah. I, I just want to remind people that the 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 limits on government, and, and here I set aside for the uh, to make the point that whether you like this or that program, or you want the budget to be this much or that much. Just in in general, right? The the notion that government has some guidelines, some some um, uh, you know, kind of those those gutter rails on the, on the bowling lane, right? The very fact that government has that, which is it has certain powers, certain things it can do, certain things it can't do, that completely relies upon the the primary argument underneath it, the foundation underneath it. Uh, that we are all created equal, because only if we are all equal fundamentally do we have equally have a right to consent, and no one has more rights than somebody else, which is that we can't be dictated to. We have a fundamental natural liberty, and we get to decide how government proceeds on these things. What's different, I think, about the, the, the government debate we are now entering is that we're having these two debates simultaneously. We're having a debate about what government ought to be doing or not to be doing, how much should be spending, how heavy-handed it should be in the educational system itself, uh, telling us about you know day-to-day uh, -day things uh, from wearing masks to what kind of cars we can drive or right. whatever it might be. We're having that debate at the same time that we're having this other debate about what are the foundational principles of, of, of this particular nation. Uh, yes, it's an immediate question about uh, race and the status of our history and slavery and all this. Thing but under really, what it is 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 about this this whole question: who has rights? What are the source of those rights? Well, if 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 we have rights because of our inherent equal humanity, uh, that means government does not have rights. Which they so those two positions go together. Right. If on the other hand you say that no, no. We don't have rights by our nature. We have rights for some other reason, because of history, because of evolution, because of the color of our skin, because of our identity, right? Which was the old argument of, of John C. Calhoun who defended slavery, but yeah. it's also the argument that you're getting today from identity politics, that uh, your, your, your status in, in, in the political system is actually determined by the color of your skin. If that's the if, if that's your fundamental argument, then then there's no reason to limit government because government should just do whatever we want it to do. It's uh, it is a pretty remarkable debate, and it really gets to the essence of the America we've been and the America we want to be going forward. It is, uh, I, I've said this to many people, and I really believe it, we live in epic times. We are living in a very important time where we're going to determine a pathway for America for a very long time. I think and. Um, we're so lucky that the 1776 Commission gave us such a good foundation of research and principles in the document and the fact that Joe Biden's uh, pen couldn't stop you guys from continuing going. If people want to continue to follow what you're doing uh, and how the commission is going to try to help this debate along, how do they stay in touch with, uh, with, with that commission and its work? So, well, so uh, for, for right now, just kind of, you know, keep looking us up and watch things as they pop up. But we're going to, we're establishing a, a web presence and a, you know, social media presence so people can track uh, our activities. Because one of the great things I have, I, I've learned here is, is, you know, when we announced that we were going to continue meeting, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people um, 
communicated, and uh, uh, there's a lot of support. There's a lot of concern, and there are other organizations, many pre-existing. We didn't we didn't invent these arguments about the American founding. Right. Uh, there are other groups that have been doing this and will continue doing it. So I, I'm just grateful to to the, the all those Americans and and concerned uh, people out there who uh, have come to the defense of these of these established deep fundamental principles that guide guide us and really by extension guide uh freedom loving people everywhere and uh i you know can't commit can commend them more so so generally kind of just watch for us in the media and but we will have uh better um uh you know web and social media outlets um uh, available soon the the 1776 report i would remind everybody is that's readily available it's a public document it on is. many websites you just search and you can find that uh there's actually uh, we actually have just recently published uh a book version which includes all the footnotes and sources of the report oh wow uh which is in with encounter books you can buy a paperback of that great uh, which is a great source as well so wow well, we are so lucky that uh, this debate is happening and that you're at the forefront of it. Um, you and, uh, of course, also Hillsdale, which has been such an extraordinary voice in education for a long time. It's just good to have that uh, presence there, and we're, we're really fortunate. And I guarantee you one thing, no matter what website you have, just the news is going to be covering this story day in and day night. We just hired a full-time reporter just to focus on this story because we're dedicated to it, and um, I can't wait to see what you do next. Good. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Have a great day, and thanks again for joining us. You too. Bye-bye. All right, folks, we're going to go a quick uh, commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. How about that, huh? A cancel moment that didn't happen a canceled entity that wouldn't allow itself to be canceled. The 1776 Commission, it kind of fits the era upon which it draws its history from, right? Our our founding fathers and the early Constitutional Army, they, Continental Army, I'm sorry, and the, and the Constitutional Congress, all the early foundings, there was a rebel spirit, a don't tell me what to do King George moment. And in this case, at least for the 1776 commission, King George is president Biden and the uh, power to cancel federal um, commission, which by the way is the president's prerogative, wasn't the power to suffocate or stifle or end the 1776 commission's mission. They're just taking it private, local, statewide. They're making a difference. And when you look around and just, just do a quick search on just the news, you'll see lots of states in the last few weeks are beginning to move to ban critical race theory from being taught, whether it's Texas or uh, Florida. Uh, there was an effort in Arizona, Ducey, the governor, Republican governor, abandoned uh, or, or vetoed it, but temporarily so, because he said he just wants to get a state budget done, then he'll go back and approve these bills. Uh, we'll see if that's true or not. Uh, a lot of conservatives are beating up Doug Ducey today. We'll see if he delivers on it. But there are a lot of states moving to end this 
CRT, critical race theory, equity education, 1619 project, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and so uh, the 1776 commission is integrated into that. It's part of this drive. And you could see half or more of America, I think, by the end of the year moving in this direction. And I think you'll see all of America having a robust debate, kind of like what our founding fathers wanted. Listen, the liberals get their say, the conservatives get their say, the independents get their say, and then we come up with a solution and we move on. That's what we do in America. And uh, this moment is uh, going to be uh, epic. I think it will it will define what we view ourselves as a nation. Do we view ourselves as inherently racist and flawed and failed or a great nation that has sins and scars like every person because we're human we've made mistakes in our history there ain't no doubt about it the tulsa massacre the civil war slavery those are mistakes uh jim crow all bad things in our history but it doesn't i think to most americans define who we are and we don't believe we are inherently those bad moments that those are aberrations in an otherwise good well-meaning loving country those who have long preached this America's inherently racist were the Marxists, the socialists, the communists, those who tried to destroy America during the Cold War in the period right after World War II. Those talking points are now being parroted by some of those who uh, advocate this inherent racism, 1619 Project, critical race theory, equity education doctrine. But I think there's a large part of America that reject that and say, listen, the past sins in our country aren't our defining DNA. They're aberrations, and I don't want my children to be taught otherwise. And that debate is going to play out nationwide across the country all the time. I think it's going to be a healthy debate. And sometimes it's good to have these conversations. You know, some people say, oh, this is horrible. We're living in terrible times. No, we're not. We have an opportunity to restate what America is about. And I think the wiser, smarter, freedom-loving side will probably win. But let's let it play out. That's what debate is about in a constitutional republic, what it's about in democracy. So, all right, one last thing I want you to think about. All right, I want you to feel hungry for a second because I want to create a solution for you. Uh, You've probably heard about eating more seafood is good. I know that. I love it, particularly in the summer. I don't know why I crave seafood in the summer, but I do. It's just lighter. It's more fun. It makes me remember my summer trips fishing with my dad and my brother and my uncle, who was an avid fisherman. But, you know, a lot of us are too busy to take time to go to the seafood counter, may not even know how to prepare it. Maybe that's the excuse. Well, I really feel like scallops and and uh, and salmon and and uh, but, you know, I don't feel like going to the store and getting it. And I'm not sure I remember how to cook it. So I'm going to skip it. Well, have we got an idea for you? The folks at the Alaskan Wildlife Company have the ultimate solution. I'm, I'm using this. I love this. I think you need to do it. The Wild Alaskan Company. These guys are amazing. They work by the commercial fishermen, but they are experts. They get the highest quality, sustainably sourced seafood from the ocean right to your plate, your dinner plate. What better way? And they believe what you eat matters. And so when you become a member of the Wild Alaskan Company, I'm a member, I like it, you'll receive a variety of delicious, perfectly portioned, wild-caught seafood, and it comes right to your door and... You get recipes, you get cooking tips, you get those questions about how should I cook this again? I don't remember. 
right at your fingertips. It is amazing. It is, for me, going to be one of the big experiences of my summer. I can't wait for the next package to come. And, uh, you know, I feel like I'm a fishmonger myself. I feel like I'm a commercial fisherman now. I'm getting these incredible uh, pieces of fish. I didn't have to put the worms on the hook, uh, but I'm eating it and I'm loving it. And I think you could too. And uh, if you don't like it, you have a 100% money-back guarantee. They stand behind their seafood. You're going to love it. Trust me. Uh, I, I can't stop eating it. And because you're just a news fans, because you are a uh, John Solomon Reports podcast fan, we got something special for you that only could come from the Wild Alaskan Company. I'm so grateful for these amazing folks. Right now, you can get $15 off your first box of wild-caught seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash just news. Let me give you that again. Wildalaskancompany.com slash just news. That's pretty easy to remember. All right. When you get there, you get $15 off your first box. That is a great deal. You want to take advantage of it now. Try it out. You will not be disappointed. This is a fantastic product. It hits your palate just right. It gets you grilling and cooking and you don't have to do much thinking because all the assets you need to be a professional fish connoisseur, they're all in the box with you. And you can always reach out at any time as a member and uh, get any expert advice that you need. This is more than just a food delivery. This is an experience, a community. Join it today. I have. You will love it. Uh, my family can't wait for our next big fish out, as we call them now. It's, I don't know why we're calling it that, but we're calling it a fish out. And I can't think of a better partner than the Wild Alaskan Company. Check them out today, wildalaskancompany.com slash just news. $15 off your first box. That's a bargain. All right, folks, now that I got you hungry for dinner, let's wrap it up for the day. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports. Until then, you can always go to justthenews.com and get your latest headlines. The facts. We won't tell you how to think. We'll just give you the facts so you can make up your own mind. News, not noise information, not indoctrination. That's what we're all about. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting Just the News. And maybe you'll be supporting Wild Alaskan Company tonight. I hope you do. God bless. Good night. Talk to you tomorrow.